Hey there, welcome back to Walking in the Word. So glad uh, that you're joining us today. Uh, We're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 5 for part 2 of our series uh, of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, And today's uh, lesson is entitled Salt, Light, and Fruit. And uh, looking at this today, we're going to kind of land in two different places. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Uh, and then Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 15 through 20. We'll reference those. We'll look through those uh, together today. But as we uh, jump in, realize that these next few verses in the, in the book of Matthew chapter 5 is Jesus explaining the outcome when Christians reflect the character of Christ in their lives. Uh, and uh, that the character of Christ is reflected in those Beatitudes in, in the beginning of the chapter. Uh, and, and those things uh, that uh, we allow him to uh, develop in our lives and showcase in our lives, uh, very similar to the fruit of the Spirit. Um, but the, the, the thing about it is, we don't get to choose, okay, I want this beatitude and that beatitude. Uh, the beatitudes are things that God allows us to go through or, uh, and develop in our lives, just like the, the fruit of the Spirit is the, the fruit that the Spirit develops inside of us. But when we are reflecting the character of Christ by living in those Beatitudes and, and, and reflecting Christ, then uh, we're going to see what the outcome of that is. And that's showcased in verses 13 through 16. Uh, you know, uh, Jesus uh, kind of used uh, common items to uh, explain concepts. And that's one of the, the things about parables. And that might be something we dive into uh, in future uh, series and such like that. But uh, where we would take a, a common story that had a, a very deep meaning behind it, those parables. But here in this passage, he uses the common household items of salt and light uh, to in- illustrate uh, the influence that the followers of Christ should have in the world. You know, it's important to realize and, and, and remember that a true disciple, a true follower of Christ, makes a, different, a difference in the world. Uh, those that are following after Christ and desiring to be like Him uh, will make a difference because Christ made uh, an indelible difference in this world. Uh, you know, it can be people can try and deny it; they can try and uh, explain it away. But He made a difference in this world, and as followers of Christ, we should make differences too. Uh, you know, the character of Christ can't describe who you are without uh, also affecting what you do. You know, uh, the idea in terms of baseball, uh, I'm a Yankee fan. Uh, you know, that's you know, kind of the idea, you know, that, that's the character of my, uh, my sports affiliation is I'm a Yankee fan. Uh, however, uh, you know, if, that, if I'm a Yankee fan, oh, well, how do they, how do, they do uh, last game? Uh, and I understand during quarantine right now there are no games going on, but, you know, if you were to ask me, hey, how did, how did the Yankees do last night in their game? And I said, I don't know, I didn't know they played. Uh, you know, I at least should know that they play. I should know uh, players on the team. I, you know, cheer for them. If I went to a, a game and I never cheered for the Yankees uh, or, you know, whatever team uh, that I'm, I'm, you know, that I'm saying that I have an allegiance to, you know, it, it wouldn't make sense. And the same thing is true with Christ. If we are reflecting the, the nature of Christ in us and the character of Christ is inside of us, it should affect what we do. Likewise, you know, we can also recognize the difference between true and false disciples or teachers. Uh, in a warning about false prophets, which would be there in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 15 
through 20. Uh, you know, uh, Jesus pointed to the quality of a person's life as his credentials. Uh, maybe eloquence, persuasiveness, uh, their, their personality, uh, the, the following and the social media presence that they have, uh, and, and powerful deeds. But realize that they are not the best indicators of genuine spokespersons uh, and, and, and disciples of Christ. Uh, you know, uh, just because you have X amount of followers on Facebook or Instagram uh, or whatever it may be doesn't mean automatically guarantee that you are being used uh, by God. Uh, you may just be at it for your own uh, sake. You may just be at it to see your own following. Uh, now, at the same time, there's gifts. You know, there are people that are quite eloquent. There are people that, you know, uh, have a great personality and they use that for the cause of Christ. So definitely not downplaying that, but, you know, when we simply say, oh, look how eloquent they are. Okay, but just because they're eloquent, just because they have a great personality, doesn't mean uh, that they're following after Christ and trying to exude his character. Uh, Either way, whether the fruit is good or bad, Jesus is clear that a person's actions reveal his or her nature. So, you know, uh, you do what you are. Uh, You know, hurt people hurt people. Uh, oftentimes because of that hurt, you end up hurting somebody. Uh, uh, Pastor Tool uh, from Roseville Baptist has said multiple times, forgiven people, forgive people. Why do you forgive? Because you've been forgiven. Uh, so uh, that mindset there, children of God produce good fruit, mainly because he is the vine and we are the branches. But uh, we produce good fruit acting in a way that points to their heavenly father. Now, others claim to belong to the kingdom, but the bad fruit they produce is evidence that they live to serve themselves, not Jesus. And, uh, and the idea to where uh, if I were to go to a tree and I'm looking for apples and uh, on that tree are, are oranges, obviously uh, there's a difference. If it's supposed to be an orange tree, oranges should be there. If it's supposed to be an apple tree, apple, uh, good, uh, apples are supposed to be there. Uh, if it's bad fruit, I'm not going to go to that tree. I don't, you know, once there was a, a market that uh, we, we frequented regularly and uh, used to, um, you know, their, their, their cost was, was, uh, was low. It was uh, in, a, in a good position where we could just go there and swing back, you know, home. It was just a, a good location, uh, cost effective. Uh, but the, the quality of the produce was not very high. Uh, you know, uh, it was, you know, within a, a day or two, it was uh, already turning or, uh, or, uh, just different things that just didn't seem right about it. Uh, so, you know, we stopped going to that, that store to buy um, buying produce uh, because it was not a good source anymore. So uh, as we jump into this today, uh, I want to look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 uh, through 16. And then again, um, Matthew 7, uh, chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. Matthew 5. Verse 13 says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewithal, uh, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20 would say, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but in inward uh, they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? 
Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that is that bringeth not uh, forth good fruit is hewn down and cast to the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. So, uh, you know, kind of looking through this as he kind of gave some the, the, the blessings and, you know, we, we called it Jesus kind of the, the new Moses, so to speak. He kind of outlines in verse uh, 13 through 16 some new expectations. Uh, Jesus stated that uh, those who exhibit the qualities expressed in the Beatitudes will function as salt and light in the world. Again, like we said just a few moments ago, you know, uh, my nature will play out in my actions. In, in reality, this isn't a choice. This, it, it's a fact. You know, an, an orange tree does not have the choice to have lemons uh, or, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm going to become a strawberry tree. You know, it doesn't have that choice. It's a fact. But, you know, those who possess a genuine Christian character are going to impact the world. Uh, in, in John chapter 17, it's, remarked, uh, it's noted as Christ's uh, high priestly prayer. You know, he didn't ask uh, for God the Father to take his followers out of the world. In that prayer, in John chapter 17, he sent them forth to make an impact on the world. Uh, his plan was for them to be in the world, but not of it. You know, uh, salt was very valuable in, in, in Jesus' day. Uh, the Romans believed that, uh, except for the sun, nothing was worth more than salt. Uh, they often paid their soldiers in salt, a practice from which uh, came this saying, not worth his salt. Hey, there, you learn something new uh, every day. Uh, so, uh, salt, of course, is a, a flavoring agent. Uh, for certain foods would be tasteless and flat without the, uh, that, that pinch of salt. Imagine you know, French fries without salt. Uh, imagine potato chips without salt. But at the same time, salt is also a preservative of absorbing water from foods, making them too dry to support harmful mold or bacteria. Uh, much of the salt that was used in Jesus' day came from the Dead Sea. Uh, the, the impure uh, salt taken from this area was uh, susceptible to deterioration, and, uh, and, and that left only useless crystals. Uh, this salt couldn't be uh, restored and thus had lost its saltiness. That's the picture that's being uh, painted here. Jesus said it was good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden underfoot by men. You know, weak Compromising Christians lose their spiritual flavor to attract unbelievers away from the tasteless, sinful society in which they live. You know, I've heard it multiple times, you know, well, so-and-so claims to be a Christian and they don't say that they believe that. So-and-so is a Christian and they don't live like that. Uh, and so if they don't have to live like that and they say they're a Christian, why would I have to live like that and even become a Christian? Uh, these Christians that have lost their spiritual flavor They've lost the attraction. You know, I personally don't like to eat French fries without salt on them. Now, I understand some people do it because of health reasons and, uh, you know, uh, along those lines and, and maybe limited salt, but there's, it adds that punch of flavor and we should be, uh, you know, uh, a, a punch of flavor to Christ. Christ is the, the, app, uh, you know, is the entree. He's the main course. He's everything. But if we come along with part of that package. We should be there to help flavor that meal. You know, he would then go on uh, and talk about that we were the light of the world. You know, 
Jesus came as light into a spiritually dark world. And he expected his disciples to reflect that light. He compared the light of, of his followers to a city that is set on a hill, the light that could not be hidden. He also compared his followers to a candle used to bring light to a darkened house. He pointed out the foolishness of lighting a candle and then putting it under a large bushel. You know, maybe the idea of like a clay jar. You know, houses in Jesus' day were dark. Now, I was not having the lighting that we have today. You know, uh, many of them, uh, when you look at historical pictures and such, had, had, had a, like a one window high on one wall, and that was purposeful to try and keep thieves and, and things away from the house. Uh, you know, uh, but many of them had portable candlesticks. That was, the, that was the, the sense of light in the house, the source of light in the house. Uh, th that stand could be moved from one location to another, providing light where it was needed. And, uh, you know, uh, kind of the idea that's trying to be painted here is that Jesus' disciples were, they were to reflect the light of their master. He was the light of the world, so we should be reflecting that light to others. You know, the combined lights of the city on the hillside could not be hidden. All those lights together couldn't be hidden. Like lamps lighted in a darkened house, Jesus' disciples must reflect Jesus' light in a dark world. We're called to go light the world, to punch holes in the darkness, you know, uh, to be a beacon of light to our community, uh, to, uh, to those around us, to everything that's going on. We should be a light. You know, uh, these disciples, they, they shouldn't hide their light. And we shouldn't hide our light. You know, the light was to, be, to shine uh, in the best location in the house. You know, think when you move into a house or you're redecorating a house and you're putting lighting up, you put it in a place to where it's going to serve the best purpose. You know, it's going to have uh, its prominent place. That light has its prominent place so it can light up the room uh, and, uh, and, and, and provide that light inside of that area. And we should be the same. True believers reflect from within them, the Lord Jesus, and he's the light of the world. So we're salt and we're light. But let's uh, kind of, as we, we gear down today, let's look at Matthew 17, uh, 7, sorry, uh, Matthew 7, uh, verses 15 through 20. Uh, and this good versus bad type thing that goes on here. Verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Jesus is issuing a warning about people masquerading as heralds of truth. His warning formed the context for introducing the imagery of good and bad trees along with their respective fruit. He draws another picture of wolves disguised as sheep. Inside that innocent appearance of sheep's clothing lurks a wolf bent on living up to its nature of devouring the prey. And Jesus warned his hearers that there would be false prophets that would come in, uh, kind of trying to disarm, but they were complete disguise. You know, uh, and uh, a way of looking at these false prophets is that they're peddlers of error. You know, uh, and you know, these false prophets, they can cause... Uh, 
a lot of uh, havoc. They can cause a, a lot of trouble among God's flock. Think, uh, you know, maybe even in your own life, things that you've heard that just didn't resonate uh, well, that didn't sit well with you because they came in, con- in, in, con- in contradiction uh, to the word of God. This is a warning uh, that should be heeded in every generation in all places. We have to watch out for false teachers. In verse 16, Jesus is telling his hearers that these false prophets will be recognized by their fruit. Uh, So we must ask this question. What's the outcome of a self-styled prophet's work? And I know we may not use the word prophet today, but these people that are, you know, saying that they're teachers of Christ. What's the outcome of their life? What's the outcome of their work? You know, does that prophet, does that teacher leave people better than he found them? Does his message promote godliness? Does he teach and live out God's truth? Does his private life match his public declarations? You know, though this uh, was said thousands of years ago, Jesus' message is still the same today. Be careful about false teachers. We need to make careful inspection of the fruit of those that claim to be uh, followers of Christ in terms of leaders. By their fruit is how we're going to know them. Know their life, know their message, know their motives. And underscore this point, Jesus asked two kind of agricultural questions. Really to answer uh, the answer to which each, uh, each question would be obvious. First, do people gather grapes from thorns or figs from thistles? The implied answer indicates that just as false prophets don't demonstrate Christ-like lives, those who accept their false teachings also don't bring forth crops of Christ-like deeds. You know, uh, Jesus' Illustration uh, from nature moved from thorn bushes and thistles to fruit trees in verse 17. Uh, He used language that people who lived in a largely agricultural setting would immediately understand. Isn't that amazing? Jesus always uh, communicated with his crowd in ways that they would understand. Comes down to every good tree would bring forth good fruit. All other factors being equal, the quality of the tree dictates the quality of its fruit. You know, Jesus went on to observe that uh, the reverse was also true. A good tree can't bring forth evil fruit, and a corrupt tree doesn't bring forth good fruit. Uh, diseased fruit trees produce f- flawed fruit. Uh, Jesus' point related to his uh, warning about false prophets. A true prophet produces good fruit both in his own life and in his hearers' lives. However, a false prophet is most likely flawed in his own life and will then reproduce those flaws in others. So, what's true of fruit trees and false prophets is also true of the rest of us. Our true nature is revealed in the way we live. I'll say that again. Our true nature is revealed in the way we live. The quality of our hearts shows up in our attitudes. It shows up in our words. It shows up in our deeds. All of us face the alternative possibilities of either being good and thus doing good or being bad and then, of course, doing bad. People's lives that are characterized by ungodly acts and and these attitudes are simply revealing the condition of their heart. God knows who the pretenders are. 
So you know, f- you know, it, it's a doomed strategy to to you know try to try to play being a Christian. Because one day that outer layer will be stripped away, and every heart will be laid bare before God. All the pretenders will ultimately be exposed for their lack of genuine fruit. You know, bad trees will face a bad destiny. Jesus says they'll be hewn down and cast into the fire. The Bible is honest about the final destiny in the lake of fire there in Revelation chapter 20. But realize that true believers aren't perfect. But they do, they do live lives with hearts that have been changed by God's forgiving love. Consequently, you know, we kind of, we grieve when we fall short and soon find our way to a time of confession and cleansing. At least we should. You know, uh, pretenders most likely don't care that they aren't genuine, but genuine Christians always care when they sin. And, and friend, if you don't care when you sin and fail God, you need to get your heart right. While God directly and immediately knows those who are His genuine children, others can know it by what they observe in a person's life. Deeds demonstrate genuine faith. The inner person is revealed through outward conduct. So good fruit matters. It matters eternally. Not as the means of securing salvation, but as the proof of being a genuine believer in the Savior. So our actions reveal allegiance either to our own glory or to the glory of God. Uh, following Jesus carries expectations for living in accordance with His standards. And you know, as believers, as followers of Christ, we're to represent Christ to this world and in this world by both word and deed.